The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Innovating Innovation with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, 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 and if you want to run with the Game Changers, you're in the right place. I have a little bit of sad news before we start the show. The gentleman you just heard introducing the show, R.C. Rogers, our favorite voiceover talent, passed away this week. So we send condolences to his family, and we send a very, very sad shout-out to R.C. We loved working with you, and we love having your voice on as many of our Game Changers shows as we can keep the original voiceovers. So, R.C., we will miss you. There's my shout out. So let's get started with our topic. It's a happy one. The buzz today is many flavors. What am I talking about? Well, companies like yours around the world are facing unprecedented business challenges. I don't have to tell you. You know what they are. First of all, you've got resource constraints. Well, this is normal in emerging markets, but guess what? It's becoming a reality and a tough one, even in advanced economies. Market conditions, well, they never were like this before. They're fluid. They're complex. They're fast-paced. They're volatile. Have I said enough? Why? Well, we've got the digital age. We've got the information boom. And maybe most of all, because of the rise of social media, it's changing everything and so much more. So there's a big question on the table. In such a dynamic environment, what will separate the business winners from the, we'll politely call them the also-rans? You know, not at the top, maybe not dropping out, but just kind of creeping along. The answer, one important word, and that's why we're here today, innovation. That's absolutely right. But let's look at innovation. Does it stay the same from country to country, from segment of the population to segment of the population, from one part of the workforce to the other? Do innovation cultures vary? Well, very important question. And we're going to take a peek at three countries today and see what's similar among them in terms of innovation cultures and where the differences lie. So we're going to be speaking with panelists today from Germany from Israel and from India. So very, very interesting show. In case you haven't guessed, our topic today is Global Innovation Cultures. Focus on Germany, Israel, and India. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Very pleased to be here. And let me start by introducing my first panelist. She is Anastasia Stauffenberg. Happy birthday shout out. It was yesterday. I just found out. She's a senior consulting manager at SAP Germany. And Anastasia has sent me a lovely quote from Hans-Jörg Bullinger. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. He is still around. He was born in 1944. A German scientist and former president of the Fraunhofer Gesellschaft. He's a mechanical engineer who holds a doctoral degree. He was, let's see, he's a professor of industrial science and technology and just a very well-decorated gentleman and very smart. And here's the quote. 
Very important to set up our show today. He said, a good innovation culture is based upon trust, confidence, freedom, and openness. What a beautiful quote. Anastasia Stauffenberg, welcome to the show. How are you, Anastasia? Hello, Bonnie. Thank you for inviting me today. I'm well, and I'm looking forward to spend some time with you and all my colleagues and the audience to talk about differences in innovation culture. Thank you, Anastasia. And I hope you had a good birthday. Did you celebrate it with family or colleagues or everyone or quietly? <laughs> yes, I, I um, had only my family around me, and this is okay. <laughs> this was good. a very nice evening we had. I know what you mean. It's, it's Sometimes that's just enough. <laughs> sometimes that's too much, but it sounds like it was perfect. Anastasia, tell me how you came to pick this quote from Hans-Jörg Bullinger, if I'm pronouncing his name right. It's such a basic quote for what we're talking about today, and I have a feeling that this transcends any cultural differences. So tell me, where did you find the quote, and, and how are we going to use it today? Well, first of all, I, I like this quote uh, a lot because it combines two different things. On one side, um, it talks about innovation, and on the other side, we read traditional values like uh, trust, confidence. Uh, these are uh, really basic uh, things, and um, Germans, uh, by nature, are more conservative and traditionally oriented than revolutionary. So once we accept, we Germans accept someone as a leader or something as senseful, we prefer to more execute and follow. However, out of my work with more than 100 students in the past uh, 10 years, I see a tremendous change in behavior and expectations of the so-called millennials. Mm -hmm. So in, they put, I saw them really putting a high emphasis uh, on one hand, on these traditional values, but they combine these values with the wish to get the possibility to be, be creative and innovative. They want to be heard and they want to be taken as serious and supported to work on own ideas and at the same time they want to contribute to the success of a company. They want to leave a footprint. Interesting. Now, millennials are not as young as we used to think they are when we came up with the term millennials, Anastasia. So some of them are, I think, inching up into their late 20s, early 30s. Interesting that they want to have that footprint and that legacy. But just let, let me see, ask you a question. Are millennials in Germany trusting? Are they open? Are they confident? Are they still finding their footing? What's their attitude toward taking risk, risks in coming up with innovative ideas? Any thoughts on that? So, um, millennials, and we talk also about X, Y, Z generations. I, I always um, try to keep up with all the new names for these generations. Um, they all see... Um, one of the key factors in, in all kinds of surveys, um, one of the key factors for success is innovation. And mm -hmm. at the same time, they see that uh, companies have to take, of course, a positive influence on the society. So uh, Germany is um, on, in rankings, if you look at different kinds of surveys, um, regarding 
well, the, the ideas, um, millennials or young people, let's call them young people, mm-hmm. um, like whatever students in inform, information technology or economics or whatever, they really see innovation in the first uh, case, but they don't see Germany as one of the highest ranking com- um, oh. countries when it comes to being open and innovative. Interesting. Well, that's a good foundation for our conversation today, Anastasia, about cultural differences in innovation cultures. Thank you so much. Pleasure to have you on the show. And now let's turn to our second panelist. He is Avi Rokach. He is a project manager in services innovation at SAP Labs Israel. And Avi has sent me a quote from Shimon Perez, uh, who is now age 92. Bless him. He's a Polish-born Israeli statesman. He was the ninth president of Israel from 2007 to 14. He served twice as Prime Minister of Israel and twice as Interim Prime Minister. And interestingly enough, uh, in 2008, I discovered he was honorarily appointed Knight Grand Cross of the Order of St. Michael and St. George. Whatever that means, I'm sure it was a great honor. And here's the quote from Shimon Perez. When you have two alternatives, the first thing you have to do is to look for the third that you didn't think about that doesn't exist. I love this one. Avi Rokach, welcome. How are you? Hey, Bonnie. I'm good. How are you? Good. Are you smiling? Yeah, I'm always smiling. Okay. Your picture wasn't smiling, and I said, we're going to get you to smile on the show. Avi, tell yeah, me I something. Yeah, I got this comment from... from. <laughs> Avi, tell me, how come you picked a quote from Shimon Perez for this show? Very interesting quote. Yeah, I like this quote, but I just want to add that Shimon Perez also won the Nobel Prize for Peace. Oh, okay. Uh, I didn't get that. I didn't go far enough into Wikipedia, so I'm going to put that in my notes. Won Nobel Prize for Peace. Yeah, okay. he's, he's very smart. He's a very smart uh, guy. And for me, this quote is uh, to think outside of the box. You know, a lot of time people give you the box or the boundaries, uh, sometimes you limit uh, yourself and like with the partner that at first glance you have only uh, two alternatives. Uh, and I think that if you limit your options, you also limit your possibilities. Uh, so for me personally, I do it a lot of times, like trying to find the third or other options and to see if it's uh, good for me. Of course, a lot of times, uh, you won't succeed. Uh, but from my experience in many other uh, cases, you will find the third option and maybe the fourth one as well. And even if you're not, during this process of trying, you can get a lot of uh, insights that might be helpful uh, for your decision. I just want to say that in some cases, I do believe in boundaries. Okay, Sometimes uh, boundaries are good even for innovation. But uh, in a lot of other cases, try to think outside of the box. Try to find the other alternatives that at first glance uh, doesn't exist. Avi, let's focus for just a moment on the innovation culture in Israel. Since we're still at the start of the show, I would like you to talk for just a moment about, well, Anastasia mentioned millennials and the young, the young people, and quotes around young people. Uh, how, how in, I know Israel has a, a, a reputation for being an incubator for very exciting and 
potentially very successful technology startups and probably other kinds of startups as well. What's your observation as far as who is coming up with these ideas? Who is, as you said, thinking outside the box, breaking those boundaries? And you also said something about uh, failing. You might not find the answer. We call that fail fast, fail often sometimes when we talk about innovation. What's your observation about younger people coming into this innovation age in Israel? Avi? Yeah, the culture here in Israel around innovation is that the people uh, love it from various reasons and they love to take uh, the risk. And uh, for us, uh, even if you fail, it's okay. I take it as a good, as, as a good thing that uh, you tried. Uh, you might fail, but uh, at least uh, you tried, and you get you get a lot of experience uh, during this uh, fail. So. I say that most of my friends, colleagues uh, in SAP and outside the SAP had some kind of experience in a startup, either working in uh, startups and uh, founding uh, their own startups. Uh, I believe that if you will ask the people here uh, what they want to do, it's like to have their own startup or the own idea that they can take it right from the idea until... Uh, making it uh, successful uh, in a big company. So people here love love to take the risk. I I love the way you said love. I haven't heard love and innovation and risks all in the same sentence in a long, long time. And it's about time somebody said it. That's a great statement. I think we're going to quote you going forward. Avi, thank you so much. Pleasure to speak with you. By the way, where are you calling from? I'm calling from our offices in uh, near Tel Aviv. Okay. Nice to have you, and we'll talk to you a little bit later about what you're drinking, and we'll ask Anastasia the same. Probably she has some kind of a special birthday drink. Now I'm bringing on a, a good friend of ours here at Innovation, Innovating Innovation Radio. He's been on several times in the past. Delighted to have him back. It's I'm just calling him Lucky, but his full name is Lakshman Lucky Pachanila Seshadri. He's the Chief Consultant Services Innovation SAP Consulting based in India, and Lucky has sent me a very interesting quote from somebody I'd never heard of until I saw this. His name is Dr. G, initial G, Venkastaswamy. I think I got that right. He lived from 1918 to 2006, and he was an Indian ophthalmologist and the 1973 recipient of the Padma Shri Award. He was most important. Dr. Venkastaswamy was the founder of Aravind Eye Hospitals, one of the biggest networks of ophthalmology hospitals in the world world and performing most of the eye surgeries in all of India. Very interesting man. And here's the quote, intelligence and capability are not enough. There must also be the joy of doing something beautiful. Lucky, how are you? Long time. (laughs) Wonderful, Bonnie. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Talk to me about this quote. I I hope I didn't butcher his last name too badly. How do you pronounce it? Oh, that's fine. I think you're right. Yeah. Okay. I, I like this um, uh, quote. I, I think it is um, very inspirational. Um, moreover, uh, Dr. G. Venkataswamy, uh, who is no longer with us, is one of the pioneers uh, in the social innovation sector on the eye care. So, um, yeah, this has been a completely innovative uh, breakthrough on the... I care side of uh, 
uh, healthcare uh, area, and um, I like it very much. And um, this doctor started from just from nothing, and taking some little bit of money um, from wherever he could from his family members, and started this particular um, initiative of healthcare in his uh, in his own home premises with 11 beds and so on, with five beds for the poor people and six for the paying patients. That's how he grew up. And then um, he had a vision to make it as big as possible. It's one of the largest, uh, as you know, as I said, um, largest uh, network of eye care uh, hospitals in the world. So they, uh, yeah, what he did is he, he followed the model of McDonald's in terms of uh, um, having the low cost and high quality and then do it in a mass scale, the eye care. And what is interesting is that um, many of the many people um, um, uh, lose their vision without knowing that it could be corrected. Most of them are, uh, are unneeded um, blindness. So that is something that you could recognize earlier and then uh, you could fix them. This is called the cataract uh, surgeries or uh, procedures. Mm -hmm. And yep. that's what he embarked upon. So he made a huge network uh, of hospitals at the lowest cost um, and high volume and um, high quality. In the process, he built his own factories to come with the low-cost ophthalmic lens, by which he was able to bring down the cost of the ophthalmic lens, uh, not only for the poor people, but for the whole industry itself. People have to follow uh, what uh, Dr. Venkat Swami was trying to do. And um, there were many other followers uh, wanting to do the same thing, either as a social venture or as a private venture, but then they learned a lot of good practices from this great person. And, um, you know, the, the statistics are very, very interesting. So they do, they, they did till now, till about two, three years back, uh, they did almost 32 million uh, patients they have treated and um, mm. they have done 4 million surgeries till now. And they have um, 300 hospitals uh, in India itself, as well as in a few other countries, um, who are using this, um, their kind of a model. And uh, mm -hmm. their model is very simple, at the same time very effective. They've been very successful not only in terms of uh, making the patients uh, uh, comfortable, but also in terms of financially. So they have 75% uh, or 80% of the, uh, the treatment goes to the poor people, and the balance comes from the uh, treatment goes to the people who can pay for the treatment. So they have a very interesting ratio, and uh, with that, um, they're able to make some revenue surplus as well. And um, they have got now a variety of uh, offerings, uh, which means that it's not only the patients. When you have the patient coming in huge volumes, then you need to have a um, good number of doctors, paramedical staff, optometrists, and so on and so forth. So they have to create a training um, um, uh, department or training organization for um, the variety of such uh, skills that is required to be done, plus the factories that needs to produce um, lenses and uh, very, mm -hmm. various other uh, paraphernalia that's required to run this huge network. So that's a huge inspiration. So with that, I think uh, uh, that's my inspiration. And with this, I would like to address the culture issue, what you, um, mm -hmm. what you uh, were asking with Anastasia and with uh, Avi. So in, uh, I, I would say in India that um, the, the innovation culture is pretty good, and um, it's not only the individuals, individuals as innovators as well as the startup community, which is pretty huge in uh, 
India. So in Bangalore alone, we have more than 400 plus startups, and um, all India is much much bigger. And um, also the corporates, and um, there are uh, corporates. When I say they are either Indian corporates or um, Indian multinationals or the multinationals in India. So most of them have taken um, very seriously uh, innovation now. At least in the last uh, mm-hmm. five seven years, it's become a very important um, topic for them. And they are putting in quite a lot of efforts and investments. And um, therefore, uh, the question of uh, people, <laughs> the millennials and the, the Y generation, XYZ generation, what Anastasia is, is mentioning, um, is very appropriate in our context as well. We can see uh, um, the, the guys, the, the, the innovators, uh, wherever they are, either individuals or startups or in the companies, their DNA is very, very similar when you look at the Israeli startup uh, people or the Germany startup people or U.S. startup people, the DNA is very, very similar. They are throbbing with uh, activities. Mm-hmm. They are high energized, uh, very positive attitude. And um, they, despite all the um, uh, the government and the, uh, and the uh, bureaucratic hurdles, they are very motivated. So, um, and um, they, they, don't, they don't really worry about uh, what support they get from wherever they are supposed to be getting, like in other countries. But they're self-driven and uh, they do it. They, they somehow want to make it happen. That's the kind of a culture our people uh, we see at least in, in India. And uh, me, me being in Bangalore, I could see that in many of our Bangalore startups here. Thank you, Lucky. I have one question to ask you before we circle back to find out what our birthday lady is drinking. Uh, Lucky, in terms of the rest of the quote you shared with us, there must be the joy of doing something beautiful. Is this this attitude, shall we say, of, uh, I'll call it loosely social awareness or for the social good, for the good of people. Is this something that drives innovation in India or is it just something, uh, is it more what you're observing? Oh, I have a cool idea. I can make a lot of money with it first rather than this will help my country. This will help my village. This will help this segment of the population. What What's the tilt here? What's the the balance, if you will? Thoughts? Oh, that's a beautiful question. Thanks, Bonnie. Um, <laughs> You're I would welcome. say it is mixed because um, yeah, <laughs> it's um, uh, a lovely question. So, um, at, at least in my observation, I would see uh, both exist. Um, there mm-hmm. are a bunch of. Uh, um, uh, people um, again across um, these sectors, individuals, uh, startups, and in corporates, um, who are uh, looking at more from the both from the money perspective, uh, which is uh, very much typical from the um, from the Western um, side of um, um, geography, from where we are located. Uh, at the same time, the other um, 50%, I would say, are looking more in terms of whether it makes any purpose uh, for the for the users, when I say users here means, in, in this hospital context, it could be the patients, and uh, in a corporate con- context, it could be their... Um... I think we just had a dropout from Lucky. I know he's out there talking somewhere, so I'm just going to continue. Um, Justin, I'm going to talk to Anastasia right now. I think Lucky... Okay. Uh, Anastasia, we're not hearing from Lucky the rest of his sentence. He was uh, waxing very eloquently there for a moment, but we'll get him back. Anastasia, I'm going to circle over to you. First of all, where are you calling from in Germany? I didn't ask. And what time of the day is it? And what are you drinking? Or what are you planning to drink after the show? 
Thank you for asking me both things, what I'm drinking now and what I will be drinking after end of work today. So um, I'm calling out of, um, yeah, let's say, beautiful moment, very much fog outside. So it looks a bit scary, like being in London. But nevertheless, it's only 4.30. It's getting dark already. And uh, at the moment, I'm drinking... Uh, something which may not sound very uh, tasty uh, <laughs> at the first uh, moment, but I learned it, and it, this is interesting, from an Indian colleague. Um, some years ago, I, I, had, uh, I started having some trouble with my blood pressure, so I had to reduce my coffee consume, consumization. So I had to find something else. I switched over to black tea. And one day I was uh, standing at the coffee machine waiting and the colleague in front of me, he took some green tea, but then he put in milk and sugar. So I said, Mm. what are you doing? And he said, hey, you have to learn new things from other cultures. Try it. And I said, no way. And he insisted and I tried it. And you know what? This is one of my favorite beverages when I'm at work. So very interesting. It's very it sounds much innovative. Yeah. Yes. And uh, I love it. And one one sentence to what I'm going to drink is uh, we opened a bottle of champagne yesterday, but no one was in the mood to drink the whole bottle. So we have still some champagne left. And I'm looking forward to have some snacks tonight. And I have... Uh, two friends of mine visiting me, and yeah, we will just try to to have a nice <laughs> evening. It sounds it sounds lovely. Uh, by the way, somebody introduced me to champagne and apple juice recently. It was, uh, if you're familiar with a mimosa, which is usually orange juice and champagne, and somebody at a, a, mm-hmm. an event I went to was pouring apple juice instead of orange juice, and it was a delightful drink. But getting back to adding milk and sugar, I studied in Neuchâtel, Switzerland, for one summer, Anastasia, when I way back way back in the day and back in the last century, <laughs> and uh, they gave us very little to eat at this breakfast at this this pension I was staying at. It was a private home, but it was essentially a pension before I had to go to the university to study for the day. So I learned very quickly to add milk and sugar to the tea and to put a lot of jam on the croissant because that was all, all I was going to get to start. I was 18 and I was hungry and I was skinny and I couldn't wait to go out and buy a chocolate bar to keep me going. But anyway, I learned to put a lot of milk and sugar in, in my tea and it was very interesting. <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing that, and I hope the champagne is bubbly with good spirit and good good wishes for you. Avi Rokach, Thank you. what time of day or night is it? You're welcome. What time of day or night is it right now in Israel where you're calling from? And tell me what you're drinking. Yeah, so currently it's 5.30 in the evening. It's currently becoming dark because some kind of winter. So uh, the winter in Israel is relatively different. It's not that cold as uh, in Europe, so when I say it's relatively cold, uh, I have 18 degrees, something like that. Uh, and I'm in our offices uh, near uh, Tel Aviv. Currently, I'm drinking a uh, dark strong uh, cafe latte. And uh, we have new coffee machines here in uh, our offices. Mm-hmm. A new improved coffee machine with uh, new beans, so the coffee here is 
relatively good, and uh, I like to drink it uh, during work. After work, uh, I have a birthday, par- birthday party for, for a friend, so... Oh, that, uh, a lot of birthdays going around. Things. Are you going to be pouring some champagne? Is there? Do they make? Uh, what, what's the favorite champagne you like over there in Israel, Avi? I we don't drink that much champagne. Okay. <laughs> so in, in Israel, <laughs> we drink a lot of beers and the wine. Okay, that uh, sounds. Do you have any way, sparkling have... wines? Any sparkling wines? Uh, not that much. We we drink kava or. Things like that, but I have to mention that if we say if we are talking about birthday next week, I have also birthday. Oh, and how do we say that in Hebrew? I don't remember how to say happy birthday. <laughs> uh, it's uh, complicated. Yom Uledet Sameach. Easier for you to say, okay. I was going to say, Joya <laughs> yeah. Anniversaire. That's going to be my global universal happy birthday shout out. Lucky, do we still have you? We're waiting for you to come back. Lucky, are you there? Yeah, yeah, I am, I am online. Oh, yes, 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 good. We thought we lost you, my dear. Okay, Lucky, what time of day is it where you are? And tell me something, what are you drinking? <laughs> it's 9 p.m. in the evening. I'm having... Um what we call as buttermilk. It's, uh, it's a diluted yogurt. Masala, <laughs> we call them masala yachas. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's a diluted yogurt with uh, coriander and um, some, a little pepper and salt mm. and some little chilies. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds very spicy. Sounds like it's going to keep you awake. Yeah. My goodness gracious. Lucky, I'm glad you're with us. We were a little worried we lost you. I think it's time for us to take a quick break and you can all get a little refreshment before we come back with more of our conversation. Today we're speaking with, I'll say, representatives of innovation cultures in Germany. Israel and India, looking at how the innovation cultures differ, how they are the same, any overlaps and whether we can find any threads or themes, or if not, what are the differences we want to celebrate. I'm speaking with Anastasia Stauffenberg at SAP in Germany, Avi Rokach at SAP Labs in Israel, and Lucky, just Lucky Lakshman Lucky at SAP Consulting in India. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Shout out to Michelle Serrier, the sponsor of this series, and to Aski Omez, who also works on this series, thank you for putting together this very interesting panel. We're going to take a quick break, so don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. When we come back, a lot more from Anastasia, Avi, and Lucky. And we are, we are lucky today. So we're going to take a break. Justin, out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The pace of innovation is moving faster than ever, and the future of business will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. Factors as diverse as insights from growing volumes of data, the new global pool of talent, resource scarcity, and business networks and supply chains are shaping the definition of future success. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of change. Innovating Innovation with Game Changers is presented by 
SAP. Visit www.sap.com. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Innovating Innovation with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Innovating Innovation with Game Changers. Here we are. We're back, and I'm speaking a little bit louder so Anastasia Stauffenberg in Germany can hear me. Anastasia, am I coming through a little bit louder now? Yes, it's much better. Thank you. Good. I'm glad. Now, Anastasia is going to help me open the roundtable, the formal roundtable part of the show. And we've got, oh, about 20 minutes here. So let's see how much ground we can cover. Anastasia, you told me in your notes before the show, interesting definition of innovation. I'm not sure who agrees or disagrees, but we're going to go around the table and see whether your colleagues in Israel and India agree or not. And you say innovation is turning an idea into a commercial success more about an open attitude than big ideas, more a journey than a task. I love all of this. Let's focus on commercial success. Anastasia, how does this apply to your work in innovation in Germany, please? Yeah, you know that um, you mentioned it already that we have um, much more connection networks uh, globally rise and get bigger and bigger. So we have also much more um, collaboration and we have tons of ideas. So it's very important and this is something also we work on uh, in our team. We have to uh, channel that somehow and an idea, if it doesn't bring money at the end of the day, it can be brilliant, but the real value comes from, as I say, uh, if you have an end-to-end perspective on processes, on companies, on whatever you consider. So innovation, of course, is everywhere. You can be innovative in your household with new um, stuff you buy or new stuff you create yourself. But in a business perspective, you always have to, to have this balance. Work on ideas and uh, the, the art is to identify the right and most promising ideas in a very um, quick way, in, in, uh, in a, a speed which allows you also to um, work on the ideas and get also the value after that. If you take too long to identify an idea and then until you um, decide on which one to uh, take and start planning and whatever – and we tend in Germany sometimes to lose too much time. So you mm-hmm. lose the momentum. And this is all about it. So someone, um, and it was a customer in India, he said, um, this is like the Bruce Lee effect. If we um, hear something, if we listen to something, and we um, are immediately passionate about it and want to start, and then we have all the bureaucracy all the obstacles, all the processes and frameworks in, in companies which do not allow us to speed up and really cover the momentum and get a, an idea into a um, 
let's say, first prototype or whatever uh, thing to try out, we will lose in, in the long run. So it's, of course, it's a journey, but in, uh, in some respect, we have to, to see that the journey is short. And there's a lot, and I said it also earlier, there's a lot of service going round and back and forth. And um, I like also one um, of the service from Forbes and BCG, where they mm -hmm. said really that organizations who, who, which are really considered as innovative, they have adapted their strategies to a changing world. And this means also speed. And I'm coming back to my uh, opening quote What is the basis? If you build a house, you need the base to have a good base and build then brick by brick the house. And I think if you start with giving your um, people as an employer, uh, now mm -hmm. no matter how big the company is, but as an employer, you have to give them the framework. And this is really trust them, be confident, and help them also to... Um, To, to or listen to them and um, just get out the best out of them and then start working with them to have really good things being done. And one thing um, happens um, to me that I always look that this is a purpose, uh, is always there and the purpose in my uh, perspective is that we improve somehow people's lives the tasks or daily tasks to fulfill your job or whatever it is. I, I really like to improve people's lives in every respect. And one of my credos is also, um, especially in Germany, I can say again, um, I think Germany is very um, unique in, in some respect. We have, for example, a very much um, high focus on technology so what we do is mainly putting uh, our focus on technology and then start from there developing ideas and whatever. But technology, in my um, view, is only an enabler, but not a driver. The driver should be really the ideas. And I love mm -hmm. what Avi said earlier. He said not think out of the box. He said exactly what I, I believe. He said thinking outside the box. So... It's really time in Germany to have CXOs being um, CIO, CFO, or whatever, to really start being um, more open, more progressive, flexible, and, yeah, let's say creative and not um, old-fashioned. This is a big issue in Germany, and we see it also with um, VW. Um, we have now, uh, due to this a big scandal, uh, they are desperately looking for the right successors. They had only traditional thinking and acting, and now that they have to change their management and their um, way of how to treat things and how to um, design their future, they really suffer from a lack of yeah, being prepared, being open, and being innovative and um, looking into the future. And now I'm really curious to hear what Avi and um, Lucky yes. have to yes. comment on that. Perfect. Anastasia, I want to thank you for your wonderful insights. You're, you're so articulate and you express so many 
so many interesting characteristics of the innovation culture in Germany, as, as well as touching on other parts of the world. Avi Rokach, let's talk. Uh, I'm looking here at your notes, and you said Israel ranked fifth in the Bloomberg Innovation Index, second in R&D. So why don't you tell us about the, the broad brush look at innovation culture in Israel, and then reflect on some of the things that Anastasia shared about Germany. Go ahead, Avi. Okay, so... You know, when you look at this uh, report, so at first, at first glance, it's, it looks very, very good. Uh, for us, it's a small country with an uh, unstable political uh, environment. But mm-hmm. uh, when I look at this report, I look at it from two different points of views. But what are the reasons uh, for us being in this uh, place? And what insight I can take for, for more detailed uh, analysis? So if I go for for a minute to the inside, uh, there are a lot of good things that, uh, for example, we are second at the research uh, and development area and have a good places in education and the research personnel. But the bad thing, the bad side is that uh, we are only twenty and the twenty one place on uh, manufacturing mm-hmm. and only thirty one place in uh, patents. Meaning that uh, we're probably doing good, very good in uh, research and development, uh, but we don't generate uh, patents. Uh, we might uh, the patents might go to different uh, countries, and we are very bad in in uh, manufacturing. And you can see it uh, in Israel that uh, this is one of the disadvantages that uh, we are very good at doing startups, creating startups with very good ideas, but uh, once they succeed, uh, people uh, sell it uh, to bigger uh, companies and they are not continue with their own startup and create a, a, a bigger uh, company or going to IPO. It's, that's, it's not happening a lot uh, in Israel, so all big companies from all over the world, from US, Germany, China, India, uh, have uh, development labs uh, in Israel, but there are no big Israeli companies that started from uh, a small company and uh, continue till uh, the end. And the reasons for 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 us to be in that a good uh, place, I think that uh, the first thing. Is uh, is about uh, the army, the training, mm-hmm. the army training. So you get some uh, good training there, and, and the most important thing that uh, you get while being in the army is to work in teams. And I think that this is very important uh, topic for 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 succeeding, because maybe we'll discuss it more in detail there later. But personally, I think that what makes uh, ID good and my, what makes startups uh, succeed uh, are the teams, the people mm-hmm. uh, in the startups and not the ID. Because the ID will change. They will pivot uh, eventually. And the, the teams are very, very important uh, when I try to evaluate uh, people ideas. Uh, I give the most of the points to the teams uh, and the skills. 
Thank you, Avi. Very interesting. Lucky, let's get you in on this. What are you observing? Similarities, differences with what Anastasia and Avi already shared, please. Yeah, I, um, uh, my, um, I like to put a question um, about on this statement. Why should uh, people or companies innovate? Um, they want to be successful, isn't it? So if they don't want to be successful, why should they innovate? So therefore, the the driver for innovation is to wanting to become successful. How they want to become? How do they want to do innovation? Is the next question. So, um, I agree with uh, uh, some other things. What Ivy and um, Anastasia said is um, one is the people side, and then the, um, it's not just one idea. It is uh, it could be more than one idea. It could be multiple ideas. But then, innovation as a process um, should succeed. You may have some 20 ideas out of which one or two would succeed. But then as a whole, you must be commercially successful. Otherwise, uh, you don't mm-hmm. exist. That's, that's, that's my belief. And um, today, all companies are getting into this bandwagon because uh, there is competition all around them. Right? If they don't do innovation, it's uh, do or die. So they have no option at all. So therefore, they need to build some uh, kind of innovation culture um, which makes this innovation successful? That's the third question coming in. So, at least from an in Indian perspective, I could see uh, quite a lot of uh, cross-pollination happening uh, in terms of the innovation culture. People are mm-hmm. learning from um, other uh, people's uh, experiences and mistakes, or they borrow from other countries and organizations. So now there is quite a lot of influence um, from, um, say, um, from uh, companies like the, the design firms like, or the industry design firms like IDEO or Frog and so on. And, mm-hmm. um, they are creating that kind of uh, spaces, and they are giving uh, people um, uh, that kind of um, open environment. Uh, they're also giving them the flexibility to make um, failures, which means that um, when, when we talk about failures, it is, uh, it is not about... Uh, uh, it's not about um, uh, 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 looking at the failures in, in a negative way, but then the management job there is to see how to record the record from failure as quick as possible. That is the kind of uh, support that um, some of the company management are looking at now. And um, yeah, so these are the various aspects. Of, of course, uh, along with that goes the uh, innovation process and methods and so on. People are now really catching up now, whether it's a startup uh, setup or a corporate setup, they are now catching up, and you can see the learning is very, very fast now. Just because they are young, and uh, most of these young guys, um, the millennials and the YZ generation, they are uh, quite, uh, um, they are quite eager. They are, they are restless. They want to keep doing something to, uh, to, to show something to the world. So that's the kind of a culture I could see. Uh, uh, out here, they don't they don't mind sacrificing a lot of their personal time. They work 16 hours a day or so, and then they they don't care about um, the the lifestyle whatsoever. They 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 leave their luxurious lifestyle to get into this kind of innovation activity through startups and other or in corporate setups, and then uh, put in not only the office time plus also the personal time, so that they can prove that they can be successful. And companies do do um, mm-hmm. nurture them and um, give them the growth. 
Lucky, this is Bonnie. I have a question for you. I'm looking at the wonderful quotes. You sent me a whole list of quotes here, actually a book's worth. And one of the quotes is, your best teacher is your last mistake. So talking about the need to be commercially successful, and this is the thread we started with Anastasia a few few minutes ago. Uh, My question is, let me start with you. In India, Lucky, the concept of fail fast and fail often how much space between failures do you allow before you say to someone, you're really not a very good innovator, we can't spend any more time, or do you just let them keep going and going and going till that one gem out of 100 emerges and bam, it's a success. So what is the, the cultural, I'll call it the tolerance, if you will, Lucky, and I'm going to go back and ask Anastasia and Avi the same thing for their countries. What is the cultural tolerance for making the mistakes until you get to the one that hits the bingo and becomes successful. Lucky briefly, I want to make sure, because we're almost ready for the predictions round. So, Lucky, quickly, what's the tolerance yeah. in India, please? I think the tolerance is very good, um, either in the startup area or in the corporates. I could talk about um, both. Uh, at least in corporates, if you look at the, the big ones like the Tatas or the, or the Mahindras, um, mm-hmm. to just uh, name two of them, um, they have they celebrate their failures and then um, they expect uh, also to people to pick up from the last mistake so that um, they could learn from them and then uh, recover faster and then keep going and, uh, that that culture um, is being nurtured very much in these two companies and uh, and uh, and uh, it's, 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 it's not very different from many of these big startups we have the amazon equivalent there uh, like that in india and there are many such ones um, the top ones which are um, the valuation is from 12 billion to 5 billion kind of uh, 12 companies, and most of them uh, they, they they practice this, and, um, and um, they they believe that this is the only way to grow. And um, the one I would also like to quote the Dr. Abdul Kalam here. His his personal um, life, you no, know, he's been a scientist. He's been a, um, a rocket scientist, and um, he's he's been our uh, the previous president, and. Um, um, he uh, he had uh, this culture is not new. It's been there for several uh, several decades uh, after our independence as well. Um, and uh, he has been in the uh, on the on the satellite launching uh, area. And then his first uh, um, experiment uh, it was partially successful. But then his uh, boss he never uh, uh, reprimanded him whatsoever. But then he supported him. Saying that, yes, yeah, mm-hmm. this is a scientific uh, discovery we're making, and therefore we need to support as much as possible. And then the manager took all the blame on him when the failure happened, and he announced to the country that it's a failure. That is the kind of uh, no, support uh, that uh, this, is a, this is a government organization, and it's very, very uh, bizarre to know that no, do government organizations have this kind of uh, uh, culture, but it, it did exist. And then the second one was a beautiful one. It was completely successful, which uh, that point of time, Dr. Abdul Kalam was the project director of that uh, of that institution. So, I mean, the, the tolerance is very, very good. Thank you, Lucky. Anastasia Stauffenberg, I'd like to circle back to you quickly. What is your thought on this? We just I'm just going to give you one minute, and then Avi, one minute, and then I'm going to yep. go around and ask you for your predictions. Anastasia, go ahead. Sure, I will keep it short. So um, from my experience, um, I don't want to stick now to Germany. What I experience okay. with uh, work with customers uh, from all different countries in different continents, I see that the, the more we come to the, let's say, from the east to the west, 
the more um, try often, fail often, um, this credo is more valid. So my personal experience, as I said, that we are in the um, more Western countries, more open, and we allow from a cultural perspective um, to make mistakes and we do not blame people. Mm, interesting. You. Avi, your, your thoughts quickly for Israel, for tolerance for failure until success? Yeah, I, I, I love, I, uh, love uh, Lucky's quote. I also picked something uh, very similar. For me, uh, you asked Lucky how, ma- how many times uh, you let the people try. So for me, I will let them uh, fail lots of time. But the most important thing for me to let them continue to that is that they will learn from uh, the, their mistakes. Because uh, when you fail, you learn a lot. So I just expect you to learn from your mistake and improve for, 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 the, for the next time. I just want to say that uh, from my experience, in a lot of uh, people talk about it a lot that it's okay to fail and but I thought that in many cultures it's not well uh, accepted and uh, it's not well uh, communicated. Uh, one of the things that I'm very proud uh, here in uh, Israel, in our culture, that we are really tolerant uh, for failing. It, it is okay with me if you will tell me that uh, you fell. Uh, it's right that you felt very, very okay with me. And a lot of time you get credit uh, for me for trying. I love that. I love that. And that's probably very encouraging for a lot of young people who are not on sure footing yet in terms of their contributions and their capabilities in terms of innovation. It's a whole different world. Anastasia, I'm going to give you, I can take time for three sentences for your predictions for how innovation will change, let's say between now and the year 2020, and you can focus on Germany or or the world. Go ahead, Anastasia. Mm -hmm. Three sentences, predictions, go. Yeah, thank you. So we, I think in five years from now, we will have to be more innovative as we are today, much more than um, surveys show that, and we have to be uh, more productive than today, at least twice um, as productive as today. So we will have to do two things. Um, Unfortunately, move to a 70-plus years um, of retirement age, and the second thing is and, uh, that we will have to attract young talents. And we come back to the uh, values. The values, uh, young talents are very um, tied to these values, and they want uh, German companies to be cool and innovative and mm-hmm. also creative and give them also the room for that. So we have to start really now looking at um, a tremendous mind shift which has to be done in um, politicians and also few business leaders who pull the string secretly. And only if we create the right framework, we will change our image as protectors of essential industries like autos or construction engineering, um, Germany is uh, very well known for, and Mm -hmm. we will open ourselves, we have to open ourselves towards future-oriented thinking and acting and practicing innovation and not only talking about it. Thank you, Anastasia. I need to move very quickly to Avi. Avi, three sentences, that's it. Then I'll have time for Lucky and we got to close. Avi, predictions, go. Yeah, I think that the world 2020 probably will change uh, a lot. Uh, in my opinion, it will be much more virtual. 
uh, work will be much more uh, virtual. Uh, the good thing for that that it will be less borders and everyone can work with uh, everyone and uh, the strength will be that you know we can better work with uh, different culture, different people so we can take the strength of uh, the Israeli culture and the Indian culture and German culture and make it uh, work better. Thank you. Thank you. Lucky, one sentence from you. That's all I have time for. We're out of time. Go ahead. Lucky. Yeah. One prediction yeah. sentence. I, I think the yeah, the, the future, I think, um, it will, um, innovation will move from e-commerce to real products and solutions, more in terms of healthcare, um, climate change, um, alternate energy, and um, also in new technologies. This is what I, uh, I see uh, things going to take up a big shape in the coming years. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Anastasia Stauffenberg, Avi Rokach, Lucky Lakshman. Whichever order I said your name in, thank you so much, the three of you, for sharing your insights. Very interesting topic, very interesting speakers. You're all very articulate, and your time is very appreciated. Shout-out to Justin and the Business Channel team. Shout-out to Michelle Serrier and Oski Olmez. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. That's it for our broadcast week. I'll be back next week with another live edition of Coffee Break with Game Changers and so many more. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Innovating Innovation with Game Changers, presented by SAP, the best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, on Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.